Okay, here's, here's what we're going to do now. Um, you will see a long list of passages uh, on the board. Uh, what we're going to do is have uh, people in about groups of three, uh, each of them taking one of those passages and asking, what are the values here? Uh, and uh, we will... We'll, we'll try and see, see if um, 20 minutes is enough time for each of you uh, to do that. Uh, and uh, then we'll, we'll have all the groups telling us what they found. So we'll have a list of the values, which will include death to um, people who talk um, when they're within um, reach of my... Uh, we'll have a list of the values out of each of those passages and then we'll think about what they've got in common or whatever and compare them with the um, work on values that you did for now. Uh, and if we've got time at the end, uh, we'll deal with um, questions you've got about those passages. But uh, when we're involved in this in a minute, don't get bogged down in the details. Don't worry about it. If there are things you don't understand, fine, move on to the next verse. Uh, look for the things that you can identify as indicating uh, things that have a positive significance, things that have value status for the people who wrote these passages. Uh, and in a minute, I'll allocate them. But first, I wanted to say something about a question that somebody came to ask me about during the break, which um, I might have said something about and didn't, um, which is, okay, if, you, if, if the Bible isn't infallible... Uh, if it's got mistakes in it, how many mistakes is it all right for it to have? How reliable does it need to be? Um, and, um, yeah. Uh, and the answer to that is, I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that, uh, that, that, the, that God made the Bible reliable enough for it to fulfill its function for us. Um, now, maybe the Bible is inerrant infallible. Maybe every single narrative statement in the Bible um, is historically true. Um, I, I don't know the, whether that's the case, because I was trying to argue with you, argue to you, that the Bible doesn't itself give us, make a statement about that. So if we choose to believe that, we're choosing to believe that without any basis for it. Maybe it's true, but the Bible doesn't say so. And what I think that reflects is that the Bible doesn't think that's an important question. God didn't think that was an important question in inspiring it. Um, uh, as far as I can tell, God thought it was okay for the, for the Bible to be a mixture of uh, history and fiction and parable and traditions and things like that. Um, it's all the word of God. It's all designed to teach. Um, and, and God would have ensured, God did ensure, that there is enough factual material in there for it to be okay. That is, the, picture that, the kind of picture that it gives of what God was doing with Israel and, God, what, and what God was doing in Jesus is sufficiently factual for it to fulfill its function. Now, whether that means it's 100% factual, 90%, 80%, I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that God made sure that that was the case. Um, now, the conversation I was having uh, with somebody about this in the break led into um, a related question which is then, if, if, the Bible, if the Bible isn't infallible, isn't inerrant, and you, or you can't, and you can't demonstrate that's the case, what basis have you got for believing in Jesus? And I think that puts the argument the wrong way around. That is, 
I don't believe in Jesus because the Bible is infallible or inerrant. I believe that the Bible is infallible or inerrant because I believe in Jesus. I, or the, the, the significance, the status of the authority comes from Jesus. It's not that Jesus is dependent on the Bible, the Bible is dependent on Jesus. So I wouldn't dream of trying to prove to a non-Christian that the Bible was inerrant or even was 90% reliable or 80% reliable as if they needed to believe that before they came to believe in Jesus. They do need to be prepared to read the Gospels in the conviction that the Gospels are reasonably reliable historical guides to the kind of person that Jesus was. But that isn't a kind of um, statement of faith about the Gospels. That's treating the Gospels the same way as you treat any, any other historical source. Um, there's a reasonable historical basis for treating uh, particularly the Synoptic Gospels that way. So let's see what, what treated as a historical source they tell us about Jesus. Um, and, and if you come to believe in Jesus on that basis, then you find, you come, you find yourself coming to believe uh, in the kind, the, the kind of God that Jesus believed in and the kind of book that Jesus believed in so that your conviction about the inspiration of Scripture and the authority of Scripture emerges from uh, what you know about Jesus and what you know about God through Jesus rather than the other way around. Um, yeah. Does that, do I communicate? Does anybody want to say anything about any of that? You don't know who Jesus is without the Bible. We, if we hadn't got the Bible, we'd know more or less nothing about Jesus. But you don't have to treat the Bible as the Bible in order to discover truths about Jesus. That is, if you tr just treat the Gospels as some documents that survive from the first century AD uh, and see what account of Jesus as a historical person they give you, then you can discover the answer to the kind of person Jesus was and discover um, that you'd want to believe in him. Uh, but, the, but your believing that this is the Bible comes from that. You don't believe it's the Bible, then believe in Jesus. You believe in, it's Jesus, you believe in Jesus, then you come to believe in the Bible. You start off with the, with the Bible just as a historical source, not as a, an, an inspired, infallible, authoritative document. That comes afterwards. Okay, um, back to these passages. So what I'm going to do now is kind of go around the room, and, and so you need to be working in groups of about three. Uh, each group of three will take one of these sets of passages um, uh, and make a list of what you see as the values there, uh, and we'll pool the results of that in about 20 minutes. Okay? Um, so uh, would you guys at the back there like to take Deuteronomy 5 and 6? Um, and if you six could form two threes, uh, and um, say so you, you three take Job passages, and you three take the Psalms passages, okay? In each case, if you only ever do the first chapter, that's fine, um, it, uh, but if you, get, if you move into the others, that's also fine, but just see how, how far you get. Uh, so that was Job and Psalms, so then if, uh, if you, oh, you're five, you're a nuisance, Oh, you two, did you two talk together before? Did you, you can talk with each other, you two. Yeah, okay, right. So if you three take Proverbs, and you two take Isaiah 30 and 31, okay? Um, and how did you divide it? How did you guys work? The you three, okay. If you two at the back take, where did I get to? Did I say Amos? 
No, okay, you two at the back take Amos. You three take Matthew 5 and 6. Um, uh, if, um, if you four take John 14 to 17, and you three take, you, uh, take Romans, you four take, you th- sorry, you three, that's right, take Romans 12 and 13, and um, you, oh, now it's getting messy. Well, um, if, you, if you three take, Roman, take Philippians and you two take James, does everybody know what they're doing? Yeah. Terrific! Okay, do it. Go!